Welcome to episode four of the RMD podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily. I'm Chris Clow, editor of RMD. For our fourth episode, we're going to take a closer look at an important referral partner for reverse mortgage originators, real estate attorneys. Gary M. Singer operates out of his law firm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He has an extensive knowledge of reverse mortgages and has written on the topic in both national and regional publications. In our conversation with Gary, we discuss the function that he serves as a trusted advisor, why he has a positive view of the reverse mortgage product, some common questions about the product he receives in his capacity as a lawyer, and advice he shares for originators on how they can develop their own referral partnerships with legal professionals. Hope you enjoy it. Gary, thank you so much for joining me on the RMD podcast. I really appreciate it. No, happy to be on. Thank you. Absolutely. No, it's great to get a chance to sit down with you. First things first, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Well, I am a Florida board-certified real estate attorney. I'm centering my practice around real estate and other sorts of assets and all facets of it, from uh, owning a title company to litigating it quite often in court, to helping people protect it. I also am a nationally syndicated columnist. My home paper is here in South Florida called the Sun Sentinel, but it goes out to a bunch of other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we have that in common. And I do a, a co-host, actually. It's not mine. It's a guy named Phil Bell's, a, a weekly radio show on a local FM radio station. I think it goes out uh, through um, TuneIn or some such as well called Legal News and Review, mm-hmm. where we talk to and beat up some... Uh, local attorneys about the issue of the day. Not an advertorial, mind you. It's <laughs> Sometimes they're not too happy with us, but we, we try to be polite about it anyway. So I get around. I like to talk, as you can see, and uh, I do practice law about 60 hours a week right in this subject matter. All right. Wonderful. What was it that led you into the specific niche of real estate law? You know, that's a that's a tough question. You know, I find looking back that most lawyers who are happy with the practice of law stumble upon what works for them. It's kind of like when you're in law school, you get your best grades in the classes that click with you. You can't force it. And of course, you know, I did get an A in property. I had a great professor. I didn't want to be a dirt lawyer coming out of law school, but Mm -hmm. I uh, got a temporary job while I was waiting for a job at the uh, public defender's office because there was a little wait list there to get some litigation experience. Got a job at a title company. And within a week, I called up and gave up my spot, knowing I had found what I loved, quite to my surprise, that I loved playing with the dirt. I love being involved in real estate law. It just works for me. I just, it, it, it naturally clicks with my brain, the concepts of it. And I just, uh, I feel very blessed that I get to go in and do something I enjoy that I find interesting every single day, which uh, when you're talking about real estate law, it's kind of a weird, uh, but you know, then again, one of my best friends is an accountant. So <laughs> just goes to tell you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, so I imagine it was, it was real estate that led you to the topic of reverse mortgages in the first place. And uh, I think I told you before in some of our previous conversations that it was your Sun Sentinel column talking about reverse mortgages that put you on mine and RMD's radar. Gotcha. Uh, what was what were one of your earlier interactions with reverse mortgages during your time as a real estate lawyer? Um, doing a closing for someone with a reverse mortgage at the time, uh, this was, you know, I wasn't practicing very long. I didn't even really know what a reverse mortgage was. And when I heard of the concept, uh, I said, hey, this is a, a neat tool. 
You know, mm-hmm. really neat tool. And then I, as I looked into it more, because I thought it was uh, you know, potentially a good thing for some of my clients, I, I learned quickly that in some circles, reverse mortgages had a bit of a bad name, and I couldn't understand it. So, you know, I dug even deeper, and I uh, frankly still don't understand it. You know, uh, the only thing I could say about that is that, like any other tool, if they're misused, they could be misrepresented. But in the right situation, I uh, frankly think that reverse mortgages can be a a savior of sorts because of the what it does for the right person in the right situation. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting to me because in talking to a lot of people who aren't specifically in the industry, the things that immediately come to mind are academics or financial advisors. It seems like they initially encounter the sort of bad reputation that the products can have out in the public, but it sounds like you didn't really have that problem. No, I didn't. And then only when I started asking around, I mean, again, this was maybe a couple weeks into my practice of law, mind you, that I did this closing. So I didn't know much at that point. But when I looked around, you're right, there was a bit of a bad reputation, maybe more than a bit with reverse mortgages. And it kind of confused me because for someone in a situation where they're in declining income to have a loan product that they don't really have to worry about paying back, at least the principal and interest of, you know, during their term at a time when their income is decreasing massively in, in many cases, that seems like a, could be a good thing. But of course, like any other tool, it's how you use it, right? We can all bang our thumb with a hammer. I'm not trying to be like an ad for reverse mortgages, but I actually believe this, uh, which is you know, what I represented in my column when, when we met. It's like taking a hammer. It's great for banging nails into wood or whatever, but it's a really bad tool when you're banging your thumb. And it's not a good tool for turning bolts. You know, you've got to use the right tool for the right job. And I think, you know, due to reputational issues for uh, a lender to ignore or even a, a consumer to ignore what could potentially be a great tool is a mistake. It all, you have to have every tool on your belt. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of financial advisors that I talk to kind of come to that same conclusion. You know, you have to present more positive use cases. And, and there was even um, a loan officer who told a group of reverse mortgage professionals at a conference I went to relatively recently, you have to tell people how it can be used, not necessarily what it does. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. It, it's, they're all about the use case and the benefits that it can get you. Mm-hmm. And for someone, again, in the right situation, that's really the key to it. I really believe that. So, you know, things get a bad reputation when they're not used right. And I think that's, uh, I know that's what happened in the reverse mortgage industry, is that they were being used in situations where they were promising, oh, no payments, no payments, without, you know, telling the other aspects that are important, that you should be in your house for a, a longer period of time, and that it's for certain people with a certain profile, and that, you know, oftentimes you have to, uh, you know, keep paying your association dues and these other aspects, depending on the product. So you have to present the whole picture to someone and let them make a smart decision that this is a good tool. You know, one of, some of the biggest criticisms for reverse mortgages is that, you know, you're taking away the legacy from the kids, right? You know, everyone wants to leave their kids, well, most people anyway, want to leave their kids something. But even that with proper planning, and that's where I'm a little surprised with the, you know, she's saying this about financial planners, because they're the planners. And, you know, even if you're going to do the reverse mortgage, you can use some of that savings of your income, if you will, to plan other ways to leave things behind for, you know, your kids. So... Uh, them of all people should take a look at that. You know, one of the some I've seen people, for example, get a reverse mortgage and buy a smaller prepaid life insurance policy with some of the money they took from the reverse mortgage. 
That's one strategy I've seen people do. That way they get to live there for free, and they're still able to give a gift to their kids when they pass away. So it's really all a matter of what you have and how you use it. Sure. And do you think that situations like that should be emphasized for the industry to more effectively create connections with potential borrowers? Or is there there's something else that kind of comes to your mind from your perspective and in your profession that maybe the industry should emphasize when trying to connect with people? You know, I don't pretend to be an advertising executive, though. If you ask my kids, I'm, I'm always complaining about commercials. Uh, you know, you see the commercials and, and, and you know, every commercial, I guess, tries to uh, portray a bright, happy picture. And I think, you know, if I was the one in a perfect world making those decisions, I would, you know, point out all the benefits it can do, but also point out that it's for the right situation. So, yeah, I think that the industry does need to do a little bit of a better job not making it like it's a solution for everyone over a certain age, but rather giving use cases of how it specifically helped. Again, you know, for someone with that declining income, you know, where maybe they stopped working and, you know, they still have payments on their house or they need to pull some money out of their house in order to, uh, you know, live, be able to afford uh, medical care in some cases, though I don't always recommend going taking a mortgage out for that, but you know, I've seen people do that. There are use cases where it's very useful. But again, if you're doing it and you're planning on moving in two years, it might not be the best idea for someone. So I think the messaging has to go out that this is for certain people, and when used properly, it's an incredibly powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that as well as I wanted to, but uh, hopefully I got my point across. No, I think you did. I think you did. But you mentioned the closing that you were associated with kind of early on in your career. What are some of the other ways that you've interacted with the reverse mortgage business or, or the product in your capacity as a real estate attorney over the years? Oh, well, unfortunately, I've had to deal with some of them from foreclosures because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when the market, you know, trashed, I didn't get to do nearly as many closings and got involved with a lot more foreclosure work at being Florida, being foreclosure central back then, right? That being said, you know, they have put in some really nice rules recently to protect family family members in some situations uh, that came up where one person would pass, another person would still be living there earlier on, and now there's a lot more protections in place with most reverse mortgages. So I think a lot of those concerns went away, which was a good thing because there was some bad, bad stuff did happen to a few families because of the way the rules were back then. Nowadays, though, the interactions are, are usually with a family member when someone passes away. They do say Florida is America's uh, God's waiting room, right? Uh, so when a family member locally passes away and they have a reverse mortgage, oftentimes they don't do anything with the house until they see that the reverse mortgage company started a foreclosure action. So they'll call for some advice and, you know, we'll take a look at it and see if there's any equity. If not, uh, sometimes we'll, you know, try to do a deed in lieu. Uh, sometimes that's a little harder because you need to do a probate to do a deed in lieu in those cases. But usually when you work with the, the lender's attorney in those cases, you can find a median that doesn't, uh, you know, mess with the, the heirs' lives too badly, you know, in turning over the property. So that, that's kind of the main way. And then also, you know, in the planning aspect, people do come into the office for estate planning. And if I see the right situation, I have definitely recommended that they talk to someone about getting a reverse mortgage. Obviously, I don't write them. You know, to go to an appropriate lender to get a reverse mortgage in their situation. It's definitely a tool. Again, I keep putting this out there, but it's a tool you don't want to ignore because for the right person, it can make all the difference in the world. You know, and then, you know, a, a perfect example, frankly, would be my own mother. You know, at the point where she had taken out a uh, home equity line on her home without 
you know, talking to our son, the lawyer at the time, uh, <laughs> I probably would have recommended a reverse mortgage because based on the value of the house, the amount she was taking out and the fact that, you know, me and my siblings weren't really concerned about monetary legacy from her condo, which is, you know, the reason she said for not doing it, we would have recommended that. And that way, you know, as things got later and later on in her life, she wouldn't have to worry about payments. So in that case, it would have been a perfect example, and I would have recommended one to my own mother at that point, had she asked. But I guess I'll always be that little kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that also kind of brings to mind, because I've noticed that some of what you've written in the Sun Sentinel deals with reverse mortgage questions. Do you find yourself being asked by clients about whether or not they should get a reverse mortgage, or that, are, are you one of their go-tos in trying to determine what to do to, with their property in that respect? You know, yes, I do absolutely get asked about, you know, how to deal with that, especially when you're looking in the estate planning. And surprisingly, I also get asked about it fairly often from real estate agents uh, who may be getting asked by people for it as well. And they don't seem to know a ton about it because it's not a t traditional instrument people use to buy a property, but they do have a lot of questions about it. There's a lot of, there's still, a, I mean, your, your, your paper does a good job in getting information out, uh, but there's still a lot of mystery and myth going around about reverse mortgages, uh, which is one of the reasons I was glad you asked me to be on, because, you know, the more people know about them, the, the better they look. You know, it's really the mystery, I think, that gives it some of the, the bad reputation. Once you understand what they are and what they do and what they're for, I think it clears up a lot of the question about whether it's a good or bad thing in, in the aspect that it's a good thing for the right person. Sure. So, yeah, believe it or not, a lot of real estate agents end up asking me about it, you know, as much. And, you know, <laughs> I've even had some mortgage people who don't, uh, you know, work in reverse mortgages say, what's the deal with those reverse mortgages? Because mm -hmm. not every lender obviously pushes them. Yeah, that's that, that actually doesn't surprise me too much. We've done some coverage relatively recently about this wall that exists between forward loan officers and reverse loan officers. And it's a wall that is eroding, but it's one that is still there. I mean, it can even come down to different terminologies that forward and reverse officers use. But I'm curious, uh, especially because you mentioned real estate agents, but also even just from consumers, what are some of the most common questions that you get asked about reverse mortgages from both consumers and from people already in real estate? Um, a lot of times, believe it or not, I guess the question, do I still own my home? Hmm. Like it's somehow like they turn over the property and they just get to live there. And, you know, that's one question. And the other big question I get, well, it's two other big questions I get a lot thinking about it is, you know, when do I have to pay this back? So that's a pretty easy one, obviously, that you don't, not at least not while you're on this planet. Um, and then the final question is, what about the other expenses? You know, I come up with the house. Like, what do I have to do to maintenance? Do I have to pay taxes? How do I pay them? Blah, blah, blah. Those sort of questions um, are the big three I get. Sure. And, um, you know, I've seen in some of your writings that you take a fair amount of care in trying to lay out the facts of the products, particularly where concerns of the title changing hands comes into play. Would you say that that's a pretty common misconception of reverse mortgages that you run into, or are there other usual suspects that you encounter? No, that's probably one of the biggest ones. Like, what happens to my house? Uh, people, of course, their concern with that is their kids. Every, uh, mm -hmm. I get so many questions like, what happens to my kids? And oftentimes I go, well, ask your kids if they're concerned about this, because mostly they're not. Um, and then if they are, we do look at other avenues to leave something to the kids. And, you know, for the most part, when I do talk to the kids, most of the kids would rather not have to 
write checks to help mom and dad out while they're living, even if it means that they're not going to get something after they pass, has been my experience. But that's the biggest question, like, you know, that they're not going to be able to leave something to their children seems to be one of the biggest concerns that mm-hmm. I see people have. But once you dig into it, most of the time, I would say probably 80% of the time, maybe 90 it's only a concern until they actually start analyzing it and looking at the grand scale of the situation. Because, again, most kids, when it comes time to start writing checks for your parents, you know, would be much happier not writing checks, even if it means they weren't going to get, you know, a, a house to deal with, you know, a Florida condo to deal with later, For in my, in my case, based on where I am. They just, you know, it's not something they really want to deal with. Sure. I think that that's pretty understandable. Well, and as I'm sure you know, reverse mortgage loan officers, originators, companies rely oftentimes on a network of referral partners in a bunch of different professions. If a reverse mortgage originator wanted to try and enlist a lawyer as a referral partner, what do you think they should know before approaching someone in the legal profession? Most of the readers of RMD are, uh, are people who work in the industry already, and um, I'm sure that there's a lot of them that would love to have a lawyer as a referral partner. What kinds of things do you think they should know before approaching one? Uh, a couple of things. The first thing would be that they, they're going to need to be prepared to educate that lawyer about their product in a way that's not a sales pitch, that's educational. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get approached as lawyers a lot by people who want us to refer stuff. So that leads to the second thing is we don't have as much to refer. Lawyers don't have as much to refer as people think we do. You know, in the aspect that usually people send people with problems to us versus people coming to us who need a loan. But that being said, we, when, we, when we do have people, we tend to be very, very loyal and send stuff to people that have done a good job by our clients in the past. So the big one mm-hmm. is, is when you do approach that lawyer, you have to show that you're, you're going to make them look good. Right, that they're, you're going to get the job done, you're going to get it done reasonably quickly and, and be very communicative about the process. And if you can do that, you will have that lawyer for life as a referral. I mean, I'm still, in many of the things I refer, I'm still referring to the same people that I referred to 10 years ago because, mm-hmm. you know, I have to trust my reputation to them. And, and lawyers are typically extremely concerned about their reputation. So, you know, me personally, if I don't feel comfortable referring something, I'd rather tell someone, I don't know anyone to refer. Here's a resource to go to. You know, go look at the you know the reverse mortgage daily. Then you know, put myself out there. But fortunately, there are a lot of really solid people out there in the lending business. So I am able to, you know, refer to people. But I definitely have my go-to folks that have proven that they know what they're talking about and they uh, can get the job done. So if you're uh, if your listeners out there are the fake it till they make it type. Um, a lawyer might not be your best prospect, but if you really know the ins and outs of your craft and are good at it, you know, a lawyer can, can definitely be a loyal person to send you stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And um, given just the, the activity in the industry that you see from your perspective, because I'm sure that you're familiar with the idea that the industry has had some depressed volume over the past year, year and a half, what do you think the, the future holds for, for the reverse mortgage industry from the perspective of a real estate lawyer? Uh, I think it's going to get brighter and brighter. I have a very optimistic outlook for reverse mortgages in particular as the various market factors in play start or continue, frankly, happening as interest rates rise 
which make traditional mortgages a little less uh, attractive as home prices do what they're doing, which is stabilizing and as a uh, a little bit of the economic optimism, at least in the housing market, continues to uh, fizzle a bit. I'm not all doom and gloom here. I just There's definitely a cooling going on from my perspective. Uh, sure. Those are things that help reverse mortgages from what I've seen. Reverse mm-hmm. mortgages are often seen as a tool for people who are in the declining income or have a limited income. So when money's flowing freely, uh, in many regards, reverse mortgages are less attractive because you don't have that declining income. It's when things get scary and you want to know your home's safe and, you know, to tap into the equity in a way that you don't have to make payments anymore. That's when they become really much more attractive. So I think in the oncoming years, uh, the reverse mortgage industry is actually going to get hotter and better. I mean, you know, let's face it, reverse mortgages aren't that old, right? They've only been around compared to other types of instruments since, what, the early 60s, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, and implemented by the the Reagan administration in their current form. Yeah, right, in, uh, what, 83? 88. 88? 88, okay. Yeah, that's when the the FHA started insuring them, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, so they're they're pretty new. So they're still evolving, and the protections are coming in place. You know, as far as law and finance is concerned, that's a very new thing from 88 to 2019. So... As they evolve and people get more used to the idea, you know, I think it's going to become a better and better thing. You know, frankly, in a lot of ways, even though I'm nowhere near the right age eligible, I guess I'm getting closer and closer to be the eligible age for a reverse mortgage, it would be nice not to have to pay a mortgage bill. You know, my kids are going to hopefully do fine all on their own, you know. (laughs) So I can definitely see the attractiveness in it in that regard. Oh, you know, I did want to mention, interestingly, that while reverse mortgages in their current form are pretty new, mm-hmm. uh, historically, back in uh, medieval times, there was something somewhat similar to the concept of a reverse mortgage called a vivgage. I'm a little bit of a real estate geek, as we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So the concept's been out there for centuries, but their current iteration in America is uh, a lot newer than it is. So I guess we're catching up to old times. absolutely well Gary thank you again for being so generous with your time and appearing on the RMD podcast I really appreciate it where can people find the the things that you write and uh, where is the primary place that they can hear what you have to say on the radio show oh okay well that's uh, that's good I write for the my my primary uh, paper is the Sun Sentinel in South Florida sunsentinel.com and if you click on real estate they call me the real estate pro uh, I didn't come up with that name, but I'm kind of stuck with it now after almost 10 years. Uh, you can look for my column. It comes out every week. It's actually in the paper on Mondays, but it gets syndicated out uh, a couple days before it hits the paper. So you may even be able to see it in your local paper. The radio show is uh, Legal News and Review, and it's on TuneIn Radio. You can Google it. If you're in South Florida, you can listen on WSBR Mondays at 3.30. And uh, that's not just my radio show. I do share it. But I just actually launched a podcast of my own, and they'll have some content out too called The Business of Life, where uh, maybe I'll have you on explaining reverse mortgages. It's uh, a podcast where we explain complicated things like reverse mortgages with experts, such as yourself. Uh, to people so they can understand us. So that's another little shout-out. And, of course, you can find me at GarySingerLaw.com. If you have questions, I'm always happy to, as you can see, I'm a bit of a chatty guy. I'm always happy to talk to people. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, Gary, thank you again so much. We really appreciate having you on. No, my pleasure, and thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to episode four of the RMD podcast. And once again, thanks to Gary Singer for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us in talking about reverse mortgages. For more news and insights on the reverse mortgage industry, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at reversemortgagedaily.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the RMD podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast content. I'm Chris Clow, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network in Chicago, Illinois. See you next time.